listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. It's good to have Andrew and Rachel Coleman back with us for a couple of weeks from Toronto. Rachel playing and singing, and Andrew, who will preach uh, midway through his theological studies at Trinity College. And we landed him with two real doozy lessons, didn't we? So welcome and trust your community, Andrew. Oh, wow. Been sitting in those pews for eight years. <laughs> and uh, before I start, I'd like to say just a couple of things to the community here. By the grace of God, I would not be here without all of you, my friends and those in the congregation and my family, some of whom are here from Italy tonight. <laughs> I would not be exaggerating if I said most days in Toronto, I think back to this sanctuary and to one of many of your tables, or to one of the tables at Wannabe's, or Stella's, or Stella's or Stella's, or Finale's, or Cousins, or... And I know that many of you here know many of those same tables, and that you can think of who you sat across from and broke bread with at the ones I've mentioned and at many of the ones that I haven't. I'm sure it's no coincidence that when I think of the people here, I always think of the table around which we sat. That's what I find special about this place. We are a community centered around this table, so much so that the tables we find between Sundays are not second and third tables, but the same table we are about to stand in front of with a few extra extensions when they're needed. So, as Jamie has reminded us time and time again, the lectionary is an important part of the church life because it, it doesn't let us get away with skipping over the messy parts of the Bible we'd rather not talk about. <laughs> and so here we go with a prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come like a fire and burn. Come like the wind and cleanse. Convict convert and consecrate our lives for our great good and for your great glory. Amen. Today our lectionary has us staring into the face of that Old Testament God. That God who says things like, I will repent of the evil I intended to do. And we think, oh, good. God is merciful. Oh, wait, he intended us harm. <laughs> and then he follows it up with, if you turn from me after a time, I will repent of the good I intended. Now, repent is a really strong word. We are asked to repent from our sins. Truly repenting from our sins is the near impossible task set before us. And yet... This is God's attitude towards Israel when they turn from the Lord. To be honest, I'm not sure I have ever read a clearer message of it being our responsibility in earning salvation. And yet, have we not heard time and time again that earning our own salvation is simply something we cannot do? 
And it often turns out the harder we try, the worse it turns out. So how in the world does this prophecy of the potter and the clay being delivered to the people of Israel show us an image of the first person of the Trinity to whom Jesus prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But it is indeed that quick glimpse at the potter at work at the wheel that shows us how. Why would God send Jeremiah to see the potter at work before Jeremiah was allowed to hear the the Lord's words? Because those words needed to be understood in the light of that very particular moment. And what Jeremiah describes to us is just that. One moment. A potter at their wheel, reworking a spoiled vessel into a new one, as it was good in their eyes to do. This by itself is a beautiful image of God's relentless pursuit of Israel. It is through Israel that God intended to pour God's blessing out on the world. God, as the potter, would first need to choose the clay, the daughters and the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and shape them into a people whom so reflected God that God's blessings were delivered through them, a vessel. Those sons and daughters had times of resembling that vessel, and there were times when they didn't. Now, imagine with me for a moment watching a potter at work. She is making a round-bellied water jug. Her hands are working at the very top of the jug. It's almost finished. The movements of of her hands are becoming more and more gentle, more and more nuanced, finer and finer. And then for no good reason, other than the fact that we live on this side of the fully realized kingdom of God, the belly drops out and the whole thing is spoiled. What's a potter to do? Unless she wants to toss out that piece of clay and start fresh, she'll need to compress those now collapsed, painstakingly crafted walls of the jug into a solid block to start again. This means getting rid of every air pocket, eliminating every seam. This is not nuanced work. This is where we see that our, pa- our potter has some very serious power in her hands. The clay will be pressed and squeezed and folded and smoothed, until it is once again a workable body of clay from which a new jug can be formed. Now, for one moment, we need to pay a little closer attention to not what is being said, but who is saying it. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was called by God to speak the words that were put in his mouth. Tonight, we meet Jeremiah in chapter 18, where he has been proclaimed claiming the destruction of Jerusalem for 17 of those 18 chapters. It would be fair to say that he was in a dark place. That he might not be able to see the positive side of the image of the potter. That the potter is doing what they must to the clay that they love. So when we hear Jeremiah talk about God repenting of good and and intending evil, it's coming from a dark, dark tunnel. He can't, nor does God expect him to, 
see the image of relentless grace that precedes it. And that's okay. That image was there for his original hearers to hear, and it's there for us today. Jeremiah is painting us a picture of our pain when it's at its deepest, when we are in the midst of what seems like nothing but destruction all around us. God shows us here that it is framed by God's relentless grace in the image of the spoiled vessel. If we are the vessels, if we are the vessels that God is shaping at the potter's wheel, we will spoil. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I know that. I don't know if you all know that, but I know it. God knows this. He knows that we're all going to spoil. That's why we see the spoiled vessel in the potter's hands. We don't see it on the floor, and we don't see it in a bin. We are in God's hands being shaped back towards God's vision for us. Whether at the moment of its gentle guidance or total breakdown, we are in God's hands. These are the lives we lead. We turn from God, and the bottom falls out. A wind blows in the wrong direction, and the bottom falls out. A fire breaks out, the bottom falls out. An earthquake, an economic crisis, a mosquito bite? Sin is all around us, and it causes the bottom to fall out. But we can rest assured that sin has been defeated, and that we rest in the hands of the potter who knows who we are, what we need, what we can take, what we can understand, and how to put us back together. Jeremiah's words in verse 12, the verse just after where we stop tonight, says, And they say, it is all in vain. We will follow our own plans. Though, because sin has been defeated on the cross, they might very well be, and they said, O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to thee forever. Or praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. Two examples of countless examples in the Psalms of praise. This is because Jesus himself came and became the vessel that the bottom did not fall out of. Jesus came and became the vessel, became that vessel, so that the Father could pour out his blessings upon us in spite of ourselves. So whether we are in the midst of being reworked into a lump of clay, where we can feel each powerful fold, press and squeeze, or we are in a place where we are being gently shaped. The great vessel is already finished, and it pours out on us and everyone around, near and far, so that we, in the midst of our constant shaping, find the joy and comfort that God has intended for each and every one of us. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you.